Hello and welcome to morethanjustaclub.com podcast, brought to you by morethanjustaclub.com, funny enough, and in conjunction with the Farabross Media Group. I'm your host Luke Glanville and today I'm delighted to be joined by regular on the show, Football London, Sam Incasol. Good evening Sam, how are you? Evening, yeah, very well, very well. It's it's fantastic to have you on again, Sam. I mean, um, we, we was just saying there. Uh, there's been a few snaps lurking about of of West Ham players relaxing in Florida. I don't know about you, but I think um, I could do with a, a warm weather training camp at this point. <laughs> I think I think everyone could, couldn't they, at the moment? Uh, just to just just to get away from the. I was going to say get away from the heat of the furnace and the heat of the fire and things like that, but, but it's about, 30, 30, about thirty. It's about thirty degrees out there. I think so. Maybe they're doing all right for themselves, um, having a couple of hours off, which. which would you have had a go at them if they was having a couple of hours off after they trained at Rush Green? No, you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But because they're abroad all of a sudden, that seems to kick, kick, kick people up the wrong way. And it's just like, well, really? I mean, there was always going to have some downtime, as we discussed. They are always going to have some time off. Well, where else do you go when you have in Miami when you've got time off? You go and hit the beach, don't yeah, you? Absolutely. So they just happen to be, and they just happen to be spotted at the beach. I ain't got no problem with it. Um, there's, as far as I know, they have said they trained it. They trained this morning. They was out on the grass yesterday and this morning, um, and then just had an afternoon off. They were given an afternoon off like they would have done at Rush Green. They get in early and they have the afternoon at home with their families or whatever. So it's, it's no different anything normal. It just happened to be nice sunshine, white blue sea and some girls not wearing bikinis around them which is a little bit different than you we would be getting that at rush green would you <laughs> absolutely not especially with oh, some not anyway we're missing out we're missing out if we are <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I was just gonna say if a friend of the show james jones tweeted earlier it, it doesn't really matter how how much footballers are paid they're not, they're not paid to be footballers 24 7 and yeah you're not gonna just lock them up lock them up in a cage for 22 hours right that's it lads training's done you're, you're three hours of training or however long it is normally two and a bit your two and a half hours of training are done and you've got to go and be a hermit for the rest of the day and that's not how it works it's just not so i mean why people i can under, i can kind of understand why some because yeah going away looks like they're just having some sort of jolly up and not concerned about what happened at the weekend which we will obviously come on to but nah i ain't got no problem with it i'm more more the merrier as long as they're not be as long as they're not nicking taxis or anything like that then they're fine <laughs> uh yeah yeah i'd agree with you no no late night trips to mcdonald's for them i'm sure Moores will be making sure of that anyway yeah i'm um, sure he'll be he, he, he'll, he'll still keep them under lock and key i'm sure but he doesn't mind them going down the beach for a couple of hours yeah absolutely i can imagine him, him probably sat back in a deck chair reading a book or something oh. yeah he probably is or studying some studying form or something like that probably yeah. in the racing post or something i reckon like <laughs> looking at looking at what to get at cheltenham probably <laughs> ah, absolutely aren't we all um so, yes, we are indeed, <laughs> and not winning very much. But go on, sorry, we digress. No, no, absolutely. So, so we mentioned the weekend there. There, we we were both there, obviously. And I think we both said after the game we'd never seen anything quite like it before, especially at a football match. Well, just just what what were your whole thoughts on 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 what happened off the pitch? Firstly, I mean, well, look, I mean, it's there's no there's no need for for fans to uh, enter the field of play four times like they did. There's no there's no need for it. Um, but unfortunately, it got to that point where the, where the, the supporters that did breach the security barrier, safety barriers, felt like this was what they, something they had to do. They felt it was the only way they could get their point across. And that, to me, says enough as it is. It's that, well, if this is the only way you think you can get your point across, then something's seriously wrong. Um, so while I obviously understand why they did it, um, they, they shouldn't have done it, simple as that. And by the sounds of it, they're going to get life bans from uh, from the club as well. And But obviously, the court, and they say they're going to issue banning orders from the courts, but the courts have to make their own judgment. It's not down to what the football clubs say. Yeah. Um, 
in regards to the guys, uh, the hundreds of the hundreds of supporters that went up to the director's box, again, I no problem with that. Um, I think if if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't threatening from what I saw. I certainly didn't feel threatened. I don't think anyone else did. There might have been some. Sure, there were some young families around there that might yeah. have felt a little bit intimidated by it, but. They were just shouting and just chanting, and obviously there was there's reports of the missiles throwing the coins and stuff, but that's not actually been proven yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it's just that that is more tolerable, I suppose, in a way, in a perverse way than um, the fans going on the pitch. Uh, you can understand those frustrations that they were just shouting, shouting at David Sullivan, David Gold, and Karen Brady, um, which again, that's this is the point that it's come to, and. Um, I've got. I had no issue with them doing that, um, and like I say, obviously, some fans had to leave and whatever, and they didn't feel quite safe, which is fair enough. You can understand that, but I don't think it was threatening as such in any way. Uh, my person, personal view, and I think the fans actually also had every right to, to air their grievances in the way they did. So uh, it was an interesting day, to say the least. We haven't, we, we haven't seen it, but obviously, I'm, we're only. I'm only. I'm only 29, and you're a lot, a lot younger than me. Uh, there was obviously that bonds issue um, protest in '92. Yeah, was the bond scheme, with the man, with, yeah, the bond scheme, yeah, with your man who went down and put the flag in the centre circle. So obviously, we haven't seen anything like that since since then. Um, I'd imagine it was probably worse then as well. Yeah. Um, um, but I think the London Stadium has been a bit of a tinderbox. Something was going to something. You just needed something to to kick it off, to, to spark it, to spark, to spark it. And um, it just happened to be that first goal from Ashley Barnes. And then everything just got out in the open, didn't it? And yeah, it was a shame, was a shame for it to, to, to see it. But was I surprised it happened? No. Was I surprised the club didn't have the foresight to see it happening? Uh, yes, I was. Because they should have known something like this was going to happen once they cancelled the march. Yeah, I, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there, really, because I think the, the uh, misbetrayal has, has come where, where where perhaps people were saying that, that other fans were at risk, and I only ever really felt that it was directed at that director's box. Obviously, if they were throwing missiles, then, then you have to condemn that, but, but I think you're absolutely spot on there. Um, and just coming back to the bond scheme, I think we were educated a little bit by an older reporter after the game about about that, that <laughs> yeah, <process>. it was, yeah. <laughs> but but it could have been a lot worse. Obviously, we we weren't really around to see that. But but on the pitch, for me, it felt like um, once once the the uh, the team had gone one 0 down, and once once I looked up and I saw uh, Mark Noble tussling with the supporter, I, I did think to myself, "There's no way West Ham are going to get back into this game now." Did would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, hundred um, percent. That's the kind of thing that just gets them. It just makes players lose their heads. Yeah, I mean, and the thing, yeah. I, it's so frustrating because actually, as, as you know, the Stan played really well in the first 45 minutes. Yeah, they were absolutely. they were much the better side. Should have been two 0 up at least. Um, and then this whole and then this happened. The was it around 57 minutes? I think the goal came again from Burnley. Uh, and then just the West Ham players completely lost their heads with what was going on around them, which you can kind of understand that as well, can't you? Yeah. You have you have a little bit of sympathy for them in that Jesus, these are these people coming on the pitch. There's all this going on in the stand, security running around everywhere, police then come in as well. Yeah. And it's like, and it's obviously going to be a distraction. Uh, and then it not only happened once, but four times. Four times the security was breached and players got onto the pitch. So um it was a real shame and he couldn't have a draw would just about have been acceptable, I think. Yeah. Um, that they needed to win the game, really. Uh, a draw would have just been acceptable. By the, by the slimmest of margins, it would have been acceptable. Losing the game, though, was just the worst possible result. It was almost unthinkable at the time. Um, but that, I mean, that's what it's come down to. And uh, West Ham stay in the relegation 
Maya, uh, which is not where they wanted to be, especially what with the run of games they've got coming up in April. Absolutely, I mean it's it's certainly that by that distance as well, losing by by the three goals in the end. I know it it didn't really matter because the game was over by the time they scored the, the third. Um, the the third goal, it, it was a, a clear mistake by Joe Hart. Do you think do you think Adrian will, will be back in for the for the Southampton game? Uh, no, I don't because I don't think this is not the time for chopping and changing your goalkeepers. Um, I think Adrian obviously did what he did and made his made his own mistakes and not not all of the goals that were considered that fifteen in four games over was were down to him mm. by any stretch. Um, but it happened. It transpired how it transpired, and Moyes ended up picking Joe Hart. I don't think you can chop and change. Keep what are you going to do if they can see if they can see two at the week uh, against Swansea, uh, Swansea uh, against Southampton? You're going to put Joe Hart back in goal again because Adrian didn't keep a clean sheet. Vice versa. It's just not going to help anyone, is it? Um, so I think now I think Moyes has made his bed. Now he's got to stick with Joe Hart until the end of the. Um, and it was a it was a howler that he had at the end of the game there, um, and he looked nervy all game, we didn't he? Um, yeah. So Moyes, Moyes and Savin Bilic said beforehand as well because oh yeah I've got two really top class keepers on my books and um, there's real competition for places and blah blah blah. But then neither of them have displayed that this season. Both of them, to be brutally honest, have been very poor. Um, and it's just I wouldn't be surprised if. Um, if West, it won't be Joe Hart, obviously, but I think they'll be getting a new goalkeeper in the summer. I'm sure. Yeah, I agree with what you said there about Hart being a bit nervous. I think he was very wary of of perhaps it maybe the spotlight. Being... Where the spotlight was on him, wasn't it? Abs- absolutely, and I think not many people picked up on this, but but Nick Pope's been in fantastic form. Maybe maybe Hart sees Nick Pope as as someone who could threaten him to his England spot. I know he's never really been called up, but he he was good again. I mean, per- perhaps arguably Nick arguably Nick Pope is the goalkeeper that should start for England. Yeah, arguably yeah. because of the form that he's shown this season obviously keep Tom, he obviously kept Tom Heaton out of the side for Tom Heaton's injury but Heaton's back now uh, and, isn't, and isn't first choice uh, Jack Butland's had a really difficult season with Stoke yeah. uh, Jordan Pickford's not massively convincing either and Fraser Force has had a dreadful season at Southampton. So, I mean, on paper, Pope is the one that actually starts because he's pretty paid, he's played the most. Uh, he's kept the most clean sheets by a long, by a long chalk um, and is the informed goalkeeper. Uh, I mean, Hart will be very lucky to, to get an England... To get, he'll get a spot in the squad, I'm sure. But will he start Will he start the first rush? I wouldn't have thought so, no. No, no, no. I think, I think maybe... As I think maybe we'll go as third choice goalkeeper, and and maybe Gareth Southgate will see him as a more senior figure who can perhaps maybe even mentor some of the younger goalkeepers that are going. That that's certainly the way I, I see it panning out. But but just just going back to the stewarding for the second for a second, and it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a tricky topic to discuss. I, I I don't know whether you ever saw this this at Upton Park, but but whenever a fan did get onto the pitch at Upton Park, there was a, the the situation was stamped out very very quickly. There was often four or five stewards by the time you blinked once a fan got onto the pitch but but we didn't really see that at, at the um at the London Stadium on Saturday do you think it's a, a harder ground to steward perhaps more open in in certain areas no I don't think it is um I mean it, it, it's it, you follow me on Twitter and uh, you have probably seen my tweets and yeah. quite a few people have as well and um and some of your some of your listeners might follow me on there as well 
the stewarding has always been a, a huge gripe of mine, for, not just from Saturday, but throughout the entire season and last season as well. In my opinion, it's absolutely abysmal, the level of stewarding and security that is in place at the London Stadium. Now, this is obviously important to clarify that it's not down to West Ham, the stewarding. Uh, it's down to uh, LS185 with the stadium operators. Yeah. They're the ones that are in control of the stewarding uh, and the security. So they appoint external uh, companies, uh, there's, I think there's three of them. Oh, no, there's four. And there's four companies that they employ to steward the games. Um, obviously, the fir- first season at, uh, at the, uh, uh, the London Stadium, there wasn't enough of them. As simple as that, there wasn't enough. So they increased the number to 1,000. So there's 1,000 stewards now. This is, what Karen, this is from Karen Brady. To quote Karen Brady, there's 1,000 yeah. stewards at every home game. And it's still one, not enough. And their response time is shocking. There was that video that went around that one of them was asleep. I'm sure you saw that. Um, and, and yeah, I know. And also some of them, this is no disrespect to them, but some of them are just kids. They're like 17, 18 year old kids. We see them in the lifts all the time, don't we? When we're, yeah. when we're, when we're at the ground. Yeah. Um, and are they going to take on a, a 40 year old man that's just run onto the pitch and they'll completely irate wanting to remonstrate with Mark Noble? <laughs> Uh, they're, they're not. They're just gonna. They're just gonna stand by, um, and they're obviously not being led well either by whoever's in charge. Because someone in charge and you say, no. Well, if this happens, you need to get on within two seconds or whatever. Or whatever the response time is, I don't know. But how that fan, or there are two fans, the one that got in the centre circle and the one that confronted Mark Noble, how they could get from the stand, across the running track, over the advertising boarding, onto the pitch and to the halfway line is incredible. That's not exactly a short distance, is it? No, not at all. Insane. And then, and when, and the Mark Noble incident, I remember very well now, there was one security guy who ran on in a black jacket, one. And it's just like, come on, come on. Um, but it's, as I say, it's important to say this is nothing to do with the Hammers. Uh, it's, it's that they've always wanted to take it on because obviously Upton Park would have had um, stewards that have been there for years and years and years. Um, and when they moved to the London Stadium, they were asked if they wanted to come with them to the London Stadium. And the majority of them said no, um, but you can understand. Um, but they need to, and West Ham have always wanted to help to have control over the steward and the security. But the contract they signed, the two and a half million a year contract they signed means they can't. Um, and so now I think they're trying to say, look, after these emergency meetings they had this week, they said, look, we need to take control of this. We will pay for them. We'll pay towards this. We want to take charge of security because, frankly, it's not good enough. Um, and it's, and that's and that's ab- absolutely what they should be doing. They should be swinging for the fences and and hammering LS105 for their, I say, for their stewarding. More so, it's more more it's more to say their lack of stewarding because uh, it's a massive issue. It's a huge issue. Um, and if people don't feel safe into going to a football ground, then you're not just you're not going to go to a football ground, are you? Why would why would you want to go and watch a, a football match and not feel safe? So yeah, that's a, it's a it's a massively important issue that they need to rectify. And they need to rectify it pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. We mentioned the that that some of them are 19 year old kids, and I think another thing is that they're always different 19 year old kids, aren't they? There doesn't seem to be any kind of continual that the whereas uh, Upton Park the, the the particular stewards would would tend to stay in one place and they tend to, yeah they'd be in the same yeah and they'd, they'd have been there for years fans. and years wouldn't they yeah. yeah they'd know all the people they'd know they'd know all the season ticket holders that are standing around them and whatever and and yeah so I mean obviously it's, we all know that it's been peddled so many times Upton Park is not the London Stadium is not Upton Park. But there's things they could have implemented, just as little things that have just made it a little bit better. But they just have, didn't have the LS185, just didn't have the foresight to do it. Um, and it's been two years now, and it's still not right. How long should it take? 
these are the kind of issues. Maybe, maybe it's maybe it's this. What happened at the weekend might be what. Right, we actually need to sort this out now and kick and kick them up the backside and get them sorted into gear because that was just that can't happen again. Yeah, no, it's it's really it's a case of it, it came too late. I mean, I mean that that should never have been allowed to happen. We know that the striking thing for me was was two fans who were just able to get back into the the stand. I think it was after running on mm. and get get quite way up as well. But but anyway, uh, we'll talk about this three week break now for West Ham. Is it? I, I don't think I don't think it's the the best thing I think if if West Ham had a chance to to win a game this Saturday I think it'd be a lot better but do you think it's a good thing that that West Ham have got three weeks from competitive action now No I think they would rather just get just get just get back into it and try and pick up those three points that they desperately need straight away Yeah um, but <laughs> this is the hand that they've been dealt they could have not had this problem by not getting knocked out of the FA Cup I know that's a massive sweep to say but if they'd not got knocked out of the FA Cup by this stage, then they still could have. Um, then they could have still been in action this weekend. Um, so this is the this the international break was always going to be there, which is a whole different thing entirely as to why the international breaks at this time of the year, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but uh, but so it is what it is. You got to deal with it. And this is why they decided to head off to uh, sunnier climes in Florida. Um, it's been planned for about a month or so. So they always knew as soon as they got knocked out, they knew that there was going to be a break. And this just seemed the the, the right time to do it. Um, I imagine they'd have what they'd have rather been playing this weekend. And even if it was in the FA Cup, uh, just a, a prestigious FA Cup quarterfinal against one of the big sides, you never know. Spring a surprise, but just to keep just to keep playing and not have an entire three weeks off. It's a long time off. Obviously, they've got the Dagenham and Redbridge game, then the friendly um, on the twenty first of March. But we don't know who's going to be playing in that game. Moise has said he'd take a strong squad, but he's still going to want to play the likes of Josh Cullen. Javier Hernandez will probably play some minutes as well, just kind of those players. Um, But it's also crucial for players to get back into form as well. Manuel Lanzini's been poor since he came back from injury. Um, players just need to find some, find a little bit in Nick and find some form. Cheka Kiate as well as another one. Um, so I mean, how beneficial that friendly will be, I'm not massively sure. I don't think it will be that beneficial. So they need to work hard this week whilst they're in Miami to try and make the most of make the most of this time off that they've got. Yeah, absolutely. Just touching on that Dagging and friendly, I, I could be wrong, but but would won't most of the international players have, have flown out by that stage or not? Yeah, yeah, they'll be, yeah. All the international players won't be there. Uh, so whoever's called up for international duty, which you'd imagine, yeah. a fair few of them would be. Yeah, no, they won't be playing. No, so um, uh, I'm not sure the, the squads were really are all announced um tomorrow i think well, i know the england ones announced tomorrow um i'm not sure about the other ones and they're normally all around the same time aren't they so uh yeah they'll know they'll at least know by this weekend who's going to be playing and who's not yeah and i know that that rice is is in with with ireland is. is in with senegal lanzini's in with argentina can you can you see it, it'd be be quite a long shot but but could could you see any west Ham players in that england squad tomorrow i think Aaron creswell will probably be in it um and i wouldn't be surprised if mccain antonio is in it either um, I think those two, and obviously Joe Hart as well, will be in the England squad. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine those three would be. I wouldn't. I, maybe, maybe, maybe two of the three. Uh, I think Hart definitely will be, and then a toss up between Creswell and Antonio. And if I was going to stick my neck out, I'd probably say Creswell because Antonio is obviously only three games back from a rather hefty injury. So I think I think Creswell might be in it, but I wouldn't have. Uh, so, so if I was going to stick my neck out, I'd say it'd be him. Whether Arthur Mazawaki might be called up for, for Congo, for the DR Congo as well, who knows? Yeah. Um, so, and, you men- and, and those guys you mentioned already, Javier Hernandez will be going away with Mexico. That's yeah, a given. Yeah, Arnautovic, um, Austria. Arnautovic of Austria, yeah, exactly. 
Ivanovic um, with Montenegro, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps he may even go, or maybe if they're just for the, even for their under twenty ones. I'm not sure how long that mean he's away for. Yeah. Um, so I think there will be there will still be a few there will be a few people missing. Um, so and it's not exactly a massive squad. So um, <laughs> this 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 strong squad. We'll see, we'll see how strong it will be when uh, when it comes around to the game on the twenty first. Yeah, absolutely. Just just one final one on on what happened on Saturday with the supporters. Um, there's been been talk of of games behind closed doors. Give with West Ham statement today, uh, Wednesday. I, I kind of got the vibe that they know the games they're going to be allowed to play the games in front of the fans. But do do you think that? Well, I, I don't really. But do you think that um, some of the games could be played behind closed doors now? No, I don't think so. I, I think that's. I think that was always going to be the last resort. Would have been, I mean, I, and it would be very surprised. I was. Because people were asking on Twitter all the time, and they're saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to be playing behind closed doors." After what Sky Sports tweeted, that speculation and stuff, which was just absolute nonsense. Um, and it was no, they, they'll get. They, they, there was always the chance that they could maybe a reduced capacity. Yeah. Um, so maybe they maybe reduce it by a third, perhaps. Uh, the capacity maybe uh, the safety um, the sports ground safety authority who are obviously part of the meetings with the stakeholders and West Ham over the last few days yeah. uh, they normally they, they never recommend playing games behind closed doors um, so they, and they, they always say well, they'll, always, they'll always say yeah maybe uh, reduce capacity but never never close the ground um, so I didn't I, I didn't understand what happened obviously I think they will get a very heavy fine which they which the club will how much I don't know, but obviously, in the grand scheme of things, it's, it'll be a drop in the ocean, whatever the fine is. Um, and they may well get, say, so they may well be, may well be told to, to play games uh, to, in front of reduced capacity. Um, but I don't think there won't be deducted points, uh, and I won't be there. I don't think they'll be playing any games behind closed doors. No, I don't. I think a very heavy fine, and maybe a reduced capacity, but I think that'll be it. Yeah, and just told to behave themselves as well. Incre- yeah. Increase increase your stewarding levels, and, and maybe increase your policing levels. I think the fine will be the main thing, and it will be a very heavy fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right there. We we saw. I, I don't know whether you remember this, but it was at the very beginning of last season. There used to be a concourse where home fans could. Come Kind of get to away fans underneath the the big screen to the, to the right of where of where we sit. Yes, they shut that off. Could you see a similar thing happening with that a little bit below the director's box? Perhaps, um, but then you're going to be shoehorning all the fans then elsewhere, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and you're then going to create bottlenecks elsewhere in the stadium. Um, getting into the grounds bad enough as it is, uh, we're it's a bit different for us in that we get to the grounds a lot earlier than yeah. than the supporters do. But yeah, approaching ki- appro- yeah, approaching kickoff time, you get those cues at the first security thing because you get you you get your bag checked at the first security tent, yeah. and then you go and you where your ticket is, and then you normally get your bags and that checked again or whatever, and have you and you'll be scanning your ticket in. Um, and so so that takes a long enough time as it is. If you're going to start creating bottlenecks in concourses to for people that want to go and get a beer or whatever or go and get a hot dog and then they can't and then they can't get to their seat by the time the game kicks off it's just going to be even more chaos so i mean maybe they they, they could do they could do but then again it's also kind of removing the fans right to do what kind of what they not that we said they have rights but like what they did at the weekend that obviously wouldn't happen in order to vent their frustrations but it's more of just a case of moving people around the stadium so logistically i think it'd be a nightmare would they do something like that? Would wouldn't surprise me because it would just inconvenience people. So, so they probably will end up doing it. Yeah, I, I, I think that that bit is kind of near where where some people from, from the hospitality sit. So, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you got Hostel, and there's a lot, and there's a lot of dis- there's a lot of disabled seats around that area yeah. as well on that level, isn't it? Because they they're not down at they're not down at pitch level, are they? They're no. at the top of that. They're yeah. at the top of the third of the first tier. That's where a lot of the disabled fans are because that's where that's where they have the room and that's where their designated areas are. Um, so unless you're, so I mean unless they say well you can't come in here unless you're in a wheelchair with your carer or something, but then you'll probably have to have some sort of ticket and then you've got to keep track of yeah. it. Just, it, just, it just sounds a logistical nightmare. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So so we're trying to talk a little bit more about football now. Um, football? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> What's football? Go on. The stuff that happens on the pitch. Fly <laughs> oh, me, right, go on then. Right, um, a, a few weeks, I think in both of our, our discussions on this podcast so far, we've, we, we were at stages where we were kind of going, yeah, yeah, West Ham, West Ham will be fine now. That that was back in, in January or February, wherever. Um, maybe we won't be as confident now, but, but do you still think West Ham will beat the drop? Yeah, I am. They should do. Um, I still think there's three worst teams uh, in the yeah. Premier League. There's obviously two of them, I think, are pretty much already down in Southampton and West Brom. Um, and then it's, then it's kind of t- take your pick between well, West Ham, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Stoke and Palace. Um, I don't think I, I don't I, I was asked this for to do an article on this for work and I stuck my neck out and said Huddersfield would be the ones that would go down yeah. uh, that would be the lot that would make up the bottom three so I've got to stick with that with, along with Southampton and West Brom so I've got to stick with that um, but if um, obviously the, the Saints game uh, on the 31st is, is, is huge um, they can't be losing that game certainly a draw not ideal if they can win that game I think that gives them a lot of confidence heading into April um, and Southampton, they might have a new manager in there, in place by then, what they should do. So whether they get that new manager bounce um, is up for debate because obviously it didn't necessarily happen with West Ham. Uh, West Ham, uh, West Brom, with, um, well, it didn't happen with West Ham either, did it really, in Moyes' first few games, but it didn't happen with West Brom uh, either when they uh, brought Alan Pardew in. So it'll be very tight. It's going to go down to the last couple of games, I think. Um, But I'm I'm still pretty confident that that, that we'll stay in the the Premier League, but it'll be close. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that that new manager bounce there. It's been been discussed a lot, the the improvement of of West Ham under David Moyes, but but there's a stat flying about at the moment and I, I, I may be wrong but I think Slaven Bilic's last 19 West Ham games are, are exactly the same record of David Moyes' first 19. It was, yeah, it was it was 18 it was 18, 18 and 18 yeah. and then obviously now Moyes has got a worse one because he's lost at the weekend. This is something that um, comes up a lot because you can say that West Ham's improved uh, performances improved under Moyes, which they did um, in that unbeaten seven game stretch they were, they did improve. Um, but when you watch them week in, week out, like we do, you can see the subtle things where um, something might not necessarily have changed that much. And especially in the last seven games, it's like watching the village football again. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Certainly just not, it, exactly. Uh, it, they've slipped back into old habits, whose fault that is. You, you, you make your pick as to whose fault that is. Mm. Um, so have they drastically, he's drastically improved some players, obviously Mark Arnautovic being one, uh, Angelo Ogbonna being another. He's drastically improved those two players. Some players have improved. Some players have also regressed under his under him. And you look at Javier Hernandez, through no fault of his own, he's not been played enough. Um, Jekyll Kuyate's form has been poor under Moyes. Um, 
Aaron Quezzo's not 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 been brilliant either. So you think so? I mean, there's there's positives and negatives uh, to what Moyes has done. So are they actually any better or worse off in terms of position wise? Yes, they are yeah. by one by one place. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, is it is it really improvement or is it kind of just just going on a level carrying on the a level plateau and then you're just waiting for just that one result that might just keep you safe. So and that's it's a good it's a good uh, a good point to raise, and it's very much something that's up for debate. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's it's a strange stat because, barring the last couple of games, it has been a lot better. But but then again, it is a stat, and, and stats the facts, and and it, it speaks for itself, really. Um, Your five defe- five defeats in the last seven games tell tell their own story. Yeah, absolutely. In in those in our previous discussions, when when circumstances were a little bit different, we also agreed that that David Moyes would would more or less be staying at the end of the end of the season do you think with with all everything that's been happening with with the fans and and, and the board and everything do you, do you think it's not so certain now that if West Ham stay up David Moyes will stay I think he st- I still think he will um if they stay up I still think he'll be offered a, a contract and I imagine he'd probably sign it uh, do I think it's the right thing to do I'm not 100% sure on that um I think the club needs a radical overhaul from top to bottom yeah uh I, everyone probably agrees with me on that one um and if you're going to start from that but it obviously it needs to start from the top I think that's where it does need to start so maybe Moyes can be have some sort of say in who could potentially come in at the top because if he does get offered a contract it's only going to be a couple of years it's not going to be any more than that um so I think I think he still will be uh get my words right right round uh he will still be manager next season if they stay up because I think they will offer him they still want to offer him a new deal um and I would imagine he'd sign it so yeah I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking to David Moyes in pre-season yeah yeah, absolutely. Uh, West Ham's running of fixtures is is another bit up for debate, really. It, it's there. There are some tricky games in there, but but overall, it's not. I, I don't feel. It's, I don't feel it's too bad. How do you feel their running compares to, to other teams in the, in that rut? Haven't they? Statistically, sorry, um, they've got the second hardest running, I think, on paper statistically. Yeah. Um, you got Arsenal, Chelsea, City uh, in one month. Um, and sort of the rearranged game with Man United to play as well. Yeah. So the, the 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 games. I mean, but we've all, and then we've also seen that they've raised their levels uh, against the bigger sides. Obviously, beating Chelsea at home, drawing with Spurs and Arsenal in the Premier League. So you look at it on paper, you say, "Oh, in the big games, they seem to pick up points." Uh, it's just in the in the games against teams around them when they struggle. So. On paper, it looks tough, uh, but the, the results and the form would probably say differently. But it is it is a brutal running. It really, really is. And there's obviously the games against Stoke and Everton and Leicester as well in the last month of the season. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But this, but I think that, that if they can get through April without too much damage, and I say too much, like you expect them to Man City to beat them. Um, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Man United coming to town is a definite win for United. At the moment, so I think in, in, I think if they can just get through April with damage limitation through April, they need to beat Southampton first of all. If they can beat Southampton, and then they can kind of, if they get beaten by City, if they get beaten by Arsenal, so be it. But if they can pick up points in that Southampton, then I'm not saying it gives a wiggle room because it doesn't, but it might it it, it, it won't mean those results will be too costly as costly as they could be. Yeah. Um. Just just finally, you mentioned mentioned Cresswell a little while ago. I, I still can't work out uh, for the life of me what why he's playing in, in centre back. I know that there isn't much in terms of backup there, but do you think that for the fi- if if you was David Moyes for the final games, would you be? It, it may be tough now 
with Masuad coming back, but would you be still be playing Cresswell at centre back? No, um, I wouldn't. I'd be playing Declan Rice if it was me. Um, well, I would. Well, actually, I'd probably be playing an uh, probably be playing Jose Font or someone like that in there. But obviously, they're not there anymore, so he can't do that. Um, that's a whole topic for another day. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I just I'm just not convinced with Cresswell. He's he's just he's had a poor season, really poor season. Um, it's not even a given that Masuaku walks straight back in. Um, he's obviously would have missed three months. He wouldn't have played for three months by the time he does come back, which he is back for this week uh, for the next weekend's game against Southampton. Yeah. But will he, having not played for for three months, is he going to be told to right? You got to start and go and play left wing back. Um, in a crucial game, who knows? Uh, Moyes has, thought, has shown a tendency to bring his players back straight away. Looking at Lanzini and Arnautovic, yeah. he brought them back in when they were fit. As soon as they were ready, he brought them in. So maybe Masuaku will play. Uh, but I think Creswell's just playing there simply because there's not really much else to play there. Um, Declan Rice is obviously the only other one, but if you even if you look outside of Declan Rice, there's nothing. Mm. So I mean, and is, does Moyes fully trust Rice? In a relegation dogfight, I'm not sure he does just yet. He's only a, he's only a kid. Remember, he's only 18. Yeah. Um, I personally, I, I think he's fine. I think I'd play him despite um, he made a couple of mistakes against Swansea, but um, I I wouldn't have any hesitation in playing him. I'd probably put him in over Creswell at the moment, to be honest, because I think say he's had a pretty poor season. But um, I, I I would imagine that the Creswell will probably will probably stick stick around there until the end of the end of the campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, another another finishing one. Um, how I've We've had this discussion before, and you, you didn't entirely agree with me about about the uh, the academy and some of the younger players that are there. I think if David Moyes that does stay, does have an opportunity to to bring quite a few young players through. Uh, we, we've seen Moses McCarthy on loan at Plymouth. He's he's he scored a brilliant goal at the weekend. Yeah, I saw that. A great goal. Yeah, I saw that on the on the highlight show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and a couple couple of others are, are floating about in there. And as we discussed before, they're not they're not sixteen or seventeen anymore. They're coming into their twenties. Could could you see David Moyes staying them? And it's it's a bit of a long shot, but bringing putting those youngsters in and around the first team and and creating something the the new academy of football with them. Pat? I think if he's got if he's got a, a two year a two year contract and therefore a two year plan. Then yeah, I mean you look at the likes of Nathan Holland um, and uh, Nathan Trot as well, the goalkeeper Marcus Brown. These are kinds of players that can uh, Tony Martinez if he goes well. Although he's not really getting much game time in Spain at the moment, so uh, he looks like he needs uh, another season of under twenty three football perhaps. Um, but I think if Moyes has got a, a remit of two years and says right, I want to get this done in two years, then then maybe he can. But all the while, all the while that he was obviously only only going to be employed until the end of the se- end of this season, it was never really going to. It was always going to be a risk to bring young to bring youngsters in. He's um, he's not really done it apart from in the FA Cup. So I think if he's got a strong plan, a strong remit, and a contract says, right, well, you're going to be here for this for this amount of time. Uh, this is what we want you to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Then yeah, I can see them doing it, but just not yet. Um, I, I imagine a few of them probably gone pre-season, uh, pre-season tour. When uh, when when that comes around, let's not, but let's not think about that yet. Just yet, there's a few more pressing issues before before we get to that stage. Yeah, absolutely. And 
This this is going to be probably going to be the toughest question of the evening. Where do you think West Ham will finish? Um, two places outside the bottom three. So what's that? Seventeenth, sixteenth, sixteenth. I think they'll finish sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll finish sixteenth. I don't think they'll finish any higher than that. Um, because I think there's going to be one team down there that's going to pick up a few points, and in between now and the end of the season, that will end up shooting up to about thirteenth or something. And I suspect it will be Crystal Palace. But um, yeah, I think they'll finish fifteenth. Actually, no, fifteenth. Let's go fifteenth. Just be safe. Let's be really safe, and let's go say fifteenth instead. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's been fantastic having you on again, Sam. It's been a great chat. If if the listeners want to read your work or, or or listen to you some more, or perhaps follow you on Twitter, where can they do that? They can. They can. They can follow me. So it's Sam obviously S A M underscore Incasol, which I better pronounce that and spell out. Had not S. So it's S A M Sam underscore Incasol I N for November. Uh, K-E-R-S-Sugar-O-L-E and then T-M at the end of that. Uh, it'll be it'll have a blue tick next to it so you'll know it's me. Um, and that's where I put all my, all my work goes on there so if you want to see anything and funny videos and stuff as well, go there and then that's where you can follow me on there. Absolutely. Well, well thank you very much for coming on the show, Sam. Um, this has been more than just a club.com podcast. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back again with another episode next Friday. 